It's always an honor and a privilege for me to be here, and I'm grateful to see each and every one of you here today. My prayer is that you will receive encouragement from the message that we hear today. And talking about encouragement, I want to talk, start off by talking about uh, my brother-in-law, who Mala briefly mentioned, who got accepted to go to medical school. And about 20 years ago, Mal and I visited Trinidad, and I gave my brother-in-law, his name is Robin, I gave him a Bible, and in the Bible I wrote, may God help you to become a minister of the gospel someday. So I gave him that Bible about 20 years ago, and um, about five years after I gave it to him, he came up to me and he showed me the inscription in the Bible, and he said, you know, not everybody was cut out to be a minister. I mean, some of us were cut out to be, you know, um, laborers or bus drivers or, you know, construction workers or something else. We're not all meant to be ministers. I just want you to know that. So he argued with me for a little while and explained why he couldn't be a minister and it was just not something that he wanted to do. And he didn't have any talents in that area, so I needed to cool my jets a little bit. Did I write doctor? Oh, I just stand corrected here. My wife said I'd written to become a doctor in the, uh, in the Bible. So anyway, he explained to me why he couldn't do that. So time went on, and eventually he went to college, and he went to Mission College in Thailand, and he became a, what was his major there? In what? Religion. He became a religion major, much to our surprise, at Mission College. And uh, he started preaching, and we've heard him preach a couple times, and he's really dynamic. I mean, he, he's, he has a very cheerful voice, he's optimistic, and he tells funny stories tells really funny stories when he, when he preaches, and he does a really good job. Um, but he went back to Trinidad after he graduated, and he became a bus driver. <laughs> and he did that. He bought his own bus. It was a big bus, and he used to make a lot. He, he bought this bus, and he was very careful with his finances, and he paid for it in about a year and a half. He had it paid off. So he was doing really good, and he was the envy of all the other bus drivers. How can you, you know, he said, I've been driving for 10 years, and I still haven't paid off my bus yet. How did you do that? So he was very successful, and all his friends said, you know, you're really good at this. You could, you could make a lot of money doing this. From now on, it's just all profit for you. So he came to visit us last year. And I started talking to him about going back to school. And much to my surprise, he listened to me. He just, before he would never listen to me. I would say something and he'd just kind of like roll his eyes up and like <laughs> he was just, it was just too much. I was just too much for him. But he actually sat down and he listened to me and he, he would listen for hours. I would talk to him for hours. And he soaked up every word. I couldn't believe it. I thought, 
I must be hallucinating. So, but he listened, and I told him, I said, why don't you go to dental school? I can probably help you get in, and you know. So he, he went, he had to take prerequisites, because you can't get into dental school in the US unless you've gone, graduated from a US college. He went in Thailand at an Adventist college, but they wouldn't recognize it here at our Adventist University. So he, he, re, he enrolled in La Sierra, he applied for a US embassy visa, and he went to the visa application interview, and the interviewer said, uh, why do you wanna go to school in the United States? You can go to school in Trinidad for free. The government will pay your tuition. It doesn't make any sense for you to go in the United States when you can go here for free. I don't think it's a good idea. I'm not gonna give you a visa. <laughs> so the visa officer was acting as the parent and guardian of my brother-in-law and decided this was not a good idea. And I, we were really like devastated. Like, what is going on here? Lord, is your hand in this or not? So, and I was like, Lord, why aren't you listening to my prayers? Are you awake? You know, hello, hello. <laughs> but so anyway, um, his father-in-law told him, why don't you apply to school in the Philippines? Because Robin's wife is a citizen of the Philippines. She was born there. So he goes, well, okay, I'll give it a try. So he goes out there, he takes the entrance exam, does really well. He calls up a medical school in a place he wants to go in the city he wants to live in. And they said, well, you know, you have to fill out the application and you have to get letters of recommendation. We have to see your transcripts. And uh, after we review that, we'll call you if we're interested. And that can take months, okay. So he has an auntie there who apparently is very well positioned. And he told her that you know he, he's gonna apply to medical school. And he mentioned which one. And she goes, let me see what I can do. So she calls them up and I don't know who she is if she's a, she's got some kind of connections. The school calls them up the next day and says, we want you to come in tomorrow for an interview. <laughs> so he, he goes into the school and they say, why do you wanna be, uh, why do you wanna be a doctor? And he said, I wanna become a missionary and I wanna work in some third world country where the people are poor, where they don't have any doctors and I wanna be able to help people that are really poor. And the interviewer said, so would you be willing to work for Doctors Without Borders or some organization like that? And he goes, yeah, I would. I, I'd be, I think that would be a great honor to be able to do that. And the interviewer said, well, some of our graduates actually are working for Doctors Without Borders. You'll be pleased to know that. And Robin said, well, that sounds really good. Maybe this is the right school. So the interview went pretty well. The next day, they called him up and told him he was accepted. And I mean, that just blew my mind because typically 
I mean, one or two thousand people apply to every medical school all over the world. There, in the Philippines, there are plane loads of, of graduates from India who come and their goal is to try to get into a medical school in the Philippines. And so there's like hundreds of these applicants trying to get in to medical. Because it's seen as a way to a very lucrative and profitable and prestigious profession. So there's a lot of people applying. So he got accepted the day after he applied. And it was just, it was a miracle. The whole thing was a miracle. In fact, and before he could get, he went for the interview and they said, well, before you can, we can accept you, you have to get a TB test and you have to get uh, an HIV test and you have to get all these medical tests and we can't accept you to, and, it, and if you go to the local hospital, take usually takes a couple weeks to get the results back. Anyway, he calls the auntie up again. <laughs> she makes a couple phone calls and calls him back and says, go to such and such a hospital. So he goes to this hospital at like 11 o'clock in the morning. By one in the afternoon, they have all of his lab results back. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know her name, but, but uh, it was just incredible. And so he got all the results. He took him back to the school. And as soon as they saw the results, they said, well, you're accepted. We'd love to have you here. And w during the interview, they asked him, what kind of support do you have? Which is a very important question for the school because they want their tuition money coming in. It's a private school. And he, and he mentioned, his first of all, his sister-in-law. Well, my sister's a nurse in the United States and her husband's a dentist. And they're the ones that talked me into doing this. They kind of encouraged me to do that. And they said they'd support me. The interview goes, oh, that sounds good. And then he goes, and my godparents are encouraging me. And they actually were the ones that sent me through college. So they're helping me a lot. And then he said, and my church, and he was referring to this church here, said this church is praying for me, that I'll be able to get in and become a missionary. And the interview goes, you have a lot of support. That sounds really, really good. So they let him in. And you know, it's, it's interesting that he got the interview the next day. He got accepted the day after the interview. And all these miracles, they were really miracles happen. And I, when I see these things happen, it really is an encouragement to me. And we need in our lives to look for those events that are going on all, all around us that encourage us. Because I don't know if you've noticed it, but there's a lot of discouraging things going on. Have any of you noticed that lately? I mean, things are getting really, really difficult. The dental school is now operating in the red, and then I suspect they're gonna start firing people, they're gonna start cutting hours back, doing all sorts of drastic things. I don't really know what's gonna happen, but I expect things to get really, really difficult. So. I, I don't know, but we need lots, lots of prayers. So we need to be, as you were, harvesting encouragement from the events that, that transpire around us. Now, I've entitled my sermon, 
And my time is almost up now. So, but I'm going to start my sermon, and I'll talk really fast. And, uh, but it's let your light shine. And the, the quote from this morning, the scripture reading is, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, notice it says let your light shine. It doesn't say make it shine. It doesn't say add more fuel to it. It says let it shine. And I think that's a really important thing. Christ has promised us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And who does the Holy Spirit receive his or its wisdom from? From God. So we have access to divine wisdom and all we say and do. And we should count on that kind of guidance and that kind of wisdom to be divinely guided in all things. Now, it also goes on to say that in 1 John that we have an unction from the holy things and you know all things. Again, this promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is guiding and enlightening us so that we need to be looking for encouragement. Now, last night, we were sitting around, and after dinner, my wife started reading from Patriarchs and Prophets, and she has a really melodious voice when she reads, and it's really, I told her afterwards, I said, you know, you should sit down someday and record this whole book and have it on audio verse or something so that everybody can hear this because when she, I mean, I could just sit there for hours and listen to her read. It sounds really, it's really a beautiful message because very few people read today. There's so many distractions. I mean, um, my wife has two cell phones. I have a cell phone. There's always a phone call going off. Either work is calling her, begging her to come in, or her one of her ten brothers and sisters is calling her for advice and counsel. Or I mean, there's this constant distraction. And so it's really hard to sit down and read. And when someone reads to you, it's an incredible luxury. I think it's, it's a real luxury. Her father, Mala's father, when we would visit him, he was a Hindu. He didn't believe in Christianity. He believed in Christ because the Hindus believe in about 100 million different gods, and Christ and Elvis Presley and Winston Churchill are all Hindu gods. Um, so it's not that hard to qualify. But he used to ask me to read to him. So I would read to him out of the book of Matthew, and I would just sit down and read. And he really enjoyed it. So, Mala, I think you need to start recording for audioverse. But anyway, I want to read a little bit until our time runs out about the story of David. And I'm hoping this story will be a source of encouragement to you because David went through living nightmare. He was being hunted down by an entire army. I mean, that almost sounds too fanatical to be true. If somebody made a movie like that, that uh, you were being chased by a whole army, who would believe it? You know, that, ah, that's not, who's going to believe that? But it's an incredible story, 
And let me start, and I'm reading from uh, Patriarchs and Prophets, and the chapter is entitled David, a Fugitive. And in my edition, it's on page 655. Now, it's just as an aside, I looked at the copyright of this book, and it was published, copyrighted in 1913. So it's copyrighted over 100 years ago. And so this book is probably somewhere between 80 and 100 years old, the bindings coming off. But the words and the, and the counsel in it are still valid today. The principles in this book, in some of these ancient books, are still valid today. And I, I really like reading this. When I read Mrs. White's writings, I'm astonished by it because I thought, I couldn't write one paragraph like this. How did, you, how did somebody write a whole book? Well, anyway, we're reading from the chapter entitled, Dave, is it a fugitive? Now, King Saul was having a banquet for all of his friends and family and all the great warriors. And of course, David was invited because it was said of, of David, the, they, the maidens, after one of the victories of Israel, they sang a song and said, Saul has slain his hundred and David his thousand. Now that song made King Saul really angry that they thought he was a better warrior than he was. But anyway, he had a feast. And on the first day of the feast, the king made, made no inquiry concerning the absence of David. But when his place was vacant the second day, he questioned, Wherefore cometh not the son of Jesse to meet, neither yesterday nor today? And Jonathan, Saul's son, answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, Let me go, I pray thee, for our family hath a sacrifice in the city, and my brother, he hath commanded me to be there. And now, if I have found favor in thine eyes, let me go away, I pray thee, and see my brethren. Therefore he cometh not unto the king's table. When Saul heard these words, his anger was ungovernable. He went ballistic. He declared, Saul declared, as long as David lives, Jonathan, you will never come to the throne of Israel. And he demanded that a David should be sent for immediately that he might be put to death. Now, can I imagine the king or the president of the country demanding that you be put to death? I mean, that would be pretty discouraging. Jonathan again made intercession for his friend, pleading for David. Wherefore shall, and why should he be slain? What hath he done? What crime has he committed? This appeal to the king only made the king more satanic in his fury. And the spear which he had intended for David, he now hurled at his own son. So when Jonathan said that, King Saul picked up a spear and threw it at his own son. I mean, he was possessed by the devil. Now it turns out, and I'm going to 
kind of abbreviate the story here, that when David heard these things, that he was being hunted down, he ran away and he went to where the Ark of the Covenant was, was being kept. And there was a, one of the servants of Saul was there when he walked into the, into the altar, into the temple. And so he said in the presence of the priest, the king has sent me on a secret message, um, a secret mission, and I need weapons. So the priest gave him the sword of the giant Goliath. That was the only weapon they had in the temple there. And when the servant of the king named Doeg heard this, he reported it to the king that David had been there. And the king ordered that the priest be slain for arming David. Now, Mrs. White goes on to say that because David lied and said he was on a mission from the king, it resulted in the death of the priest who was officiating then. And David told some other lies. He then went to the king of Gath, and he, when the king was told, David has come to ask for refuge in our kingdom. And the king said, who is this David? And he was told by his counselors, now this is a Philistine king. This is David who slew Goliath, the hero of the Philistines. Now when David heard that, he thought, boy, am I in trouble now. So he pretended to be insane. And the king said, why have you brought a madman into my presence? Get him out of here. So that's how David escaped from being killed. Uh, he pretended to be insane. But Mrs. White goes on to say that he brought trouble upon himself by doing this. If he had been honest with the priest, the priest would have been able to figure out how to protect David and himself. But because he lied, the priest was unable to do that. Mrs. White goes on to say about these failures of David. Every failure on the part of the children of God is due to their lack of faith. Now I read that and I, I mean I'm stunned by that because I think of all the failures that I've had in my life, all the setbacks, all the financial reverses. And I, and, I, and I kind of have to agree that it's true, that, that at least many of the things, the failures. Now, she's not talking about the undue hardships that we've, been, we've had to bear. Many of us have been unjustly treated or slighted, manipulated in some other way. She's not talking about this, but she's talking about her own personal failures. And she says, every failure on the part of the children of God is due to their lack of faith. When shadows encompass the soul, when we want light and guidance, we must look up. There is light beyond the darkness. David ought not to have distrusted God for one moment. He had cause for trusting him. After all, he's, who slew the giant Goliath? It was David, and David needed to remember these things. 
we need to go back on our own individual lives and remember the time that God was a blessing to us. Because things are getting difficult where I'm working, and I know many of you have difficult situations in your workplace now. Anyway, because of these difficulties, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I start getting depressed about it. I'm wondering what's going to happen. Are they going to start firing people? But I, I have to stop myself and think about all the blessings that God has given me. And last Sunday, I sat down for lunch with three dental students, and I started telling mission stories. I told them stories about how Mal and I were swimming one day. We'd run out of money. I had a job that was paying me what I was worth. And in the eyes of my boss, that was nothing. He said, you're a volunteer. We don't need to pay you. And so I was overseas, far from home, no money. We ran out of money. And we went swimming in Indian Bay in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Mala looked down, and she saw $100 bills floating through the water. And I went down and picked up eight $100 bills. Okay, And we took them home. And uh, you know, what do you do with money that you haven't actually earned? You launder it, right? So I was, I went in the bathroom and I washed the money, <laughs> and <laughs> was laundering the money. That's what you do when you're overseas. They, in fact, St. Vincent had about 20 banks that were their main job was to launder money. So anyway, anyway, so I washed the money off and I put it on a on a towel, and we had some house guests that were there eating with us that day. And I told them the story about we found money in the bottom of the ocean just floating around. And they started laughing at me. They didn't believe me. They said, oh, that's the funniest story. You just found money floating in the water. Oh, that's a great story. You know? And I said, no, really, we did. And they just laughed. So I brought the money out and I showed them. And one of our guests, he looked at this towel that had this money drying on it. And he goes, you found this just floating in the water? I can't believe that. I've never seen that much money in my whole life. <laughs> and so you, you have to look back on events like this and realize how God has blessed you. And I sat down with these dental students, and I started telling them stories about how we found money. I, I told them stories about how I'd been chased by rhinoceros in Africa and got away, and how Mala and I were chased by four thieves with four-foot-long cutlasses in Bangladesh, a Muslim country, and, well, mostly, partly Muslim. And if they, if some of these people are told that if they kill an infidel, now I'm an infidel in their eyes because I don't, go to their church, that if you kill an infidel, that person will be your servant in paradise. So they try to kill as many of us as they can. And it must be a very tiresome work. But anyway, so they, these guys are trying to kill us. And I ended up chasing them away, even though I was unarmed, with a bag of potatoes and fought them out with a bag of potatoes. And then I had to physically, they got attacked by a mob when the, there was a crowd there. When the crowd saw what they were doing, 
They were stoning these guys, and I actually had to pick one of them up, carry them out of the mob on my shoulder so he wouldn't be stoned by this mob. I ended up having to protect a thief who was robbing me. Now, the irony of that, even today when I think about it, that sounds like it's really crazy, but that's what happened. And so I started telling stories to these dental students, and we sat there from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, and they were just astonished by all these stories. And one of the students texted me, like he took a selfie picture of us, and he sent me a little text message, and he said, Dr. Trott is one of the most humble and Christian men that I've ever met in my life. And later, he came to me and said, you know, Dr. Trott, we need to get together. I want to hear more stories like that. But when you hear, when you rehearse stories like that about how God has blessed you, it encourages you and gives you the courage to go forward to try to overcome your obstacles. So I'd encourage each and one, every one of you, sit down with a friend and tell that friend how God has blessed you. And when you do that, it encourages you. After I sat down with lunch with these students, I thought, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe that happened to me. You know, and it starts, you start thinking, well, gee, maybe, you know, God did that. Maybe he could help me through this situation today. And it's, it was really an encouragement to me just to have lunch with them and recount how God has blessed us. So we need, I'd encourage each and every one of you, sit down with a friend or family and relate stories about how God has blessed you. Paul has said we should be ready in season and out of season to witness to the gospel and how God has blessed us. And I think if we did that, you know, I received the General Conference uh, sent out a newsletter and I received it recently, and it said they're starting a new evangelism outreach. They want Adventists to spend a million or 10 million hours, I can't remember which, witnessing to their neighbors to try to bring people into the church. But what better way to witness to people than to say how God has blessed you? You know, I try quoting scripture to people, and it just doesn't seem to really influence that mu them that much. But when you, when you witness to people and show kindness to them, I used to have a Je Jehovah's Witness, and I'll, clo I'll close with this story and a few quotes. When we were in St. Vincent, there was an old man. He was about 76 years old. Jehovah's Witness, he'd come to our door, and in St. Vincent, there's not a lot of people to talk to who have actually read books, but he was really read, well-read. He's read through the Bible. He read Josephus, which is the history of ancient Israel. He'd read a lot of other books, so I used to like to sit down, and I would ask Molly to make lunch for him, and we'd sit down on the porch and have lunch together, and I'd talk to him for a long time. So he started coming over about once a month to see us, and, I, and his glasses were broken. He, the nose pieces, plastic parts were broken off, and he was missing one of the ear pieces to hold his glasses on. And he kept, you know, trying to lift his glasses up when he talked. And so I said, 
I said, your glasses are kind of dirty. Could I go wash them off? And he goes, sure. And he gives me his glasses. And I go back into my desk, and I have a lot of broken glasses that I've sat on or stepped on. Or so and I have all these broken glasses. And so I found a pair of glasses. The eyepiece was the same color and the same shape and size as his. So I unscrewed it and put it in, and I found some, some uh, plastic nose pieces, and I put those on. And <laughs> I, I fixed it, and I gave it to him. I said, here, they're clean now. And he put the glasses on, and he goes, oh, they fit a lot better now. What did you do? <laughs> I said, oh, I just tightened the screws up a little bit. He goes, oh, it fits really good now. <laughs> But he used to come over a lot, and when he passed, he passed away not long thereafter. His church, the Jehovah's Witness Church, said, they called me up and said, you know, we've heard about you from the old man. And we were wondering if you would come and speak at his funeral service. And so sometimes just doing a little thing, showing a little bit of kindness to somebody is a, is a real blessing. I worked with students. They make a lot of mistakes. And the other instructors, when they come over, they go, it's no good, do it over again. Take it out and do it over again. Student just spent four hours putting in a filling or making a crown or doing something. Instructor comes over and says, do it over again. And the students are humiliated because they say that in front of the patient. And I try never to do that. I always try to find a way to make it work, to fix it. I had a case like that the other day and this crown was not going on. It was rocking back and forth. Student goes, it's... So I put on my magnifying glasses, and I, I looked at it really careful, and there was a little grain of sand that somehow had gotten stuck inside this thing. I don't know where it came from, but I flicked it out, put it on, fit perfect. And I said, there, this is perfect. You do really good work. And the student was surprised, and he was here. But, you know... If you can find a way to help people and be a blessing, I found that if I go out of my way to help someone, put a little extra effort into it, God blesses that effort. In fact, the only time that I'm useful is when I'm helping someone else. If I'm doing something to help someone else, God multiplies my efforts tremendously. Like, I've never had a garden really before. I'm not a, much of a, I have a brown thumb. I'm really good at killing plants. And, but anyway, my wife wanted a garden. So I spent about a month, took me a long time, digging and putting a, a raised border so we could have an elevated garden. And it, it, we put it in last weekend. And Mala says, come back and look at this garden. It looks like it was done by a professional gardener. Isn't it beautiful? You know, when I try to do gardens for myself, they just don't come out. But I was trying to do one for her, and she said it's a work of art. And I think everything in our lives is that way. Mala's brother-in-law called us up two days ago, and he said, I found something out. And I said, what is that, Robin? What did you find out? He said, I need to be helping other people. He's the one who's going to go to start medical school. He said, when I'm helping other people, the Lord blesses me. And I feel that that's my mission. I'm having a hard time convincing those around me that that's what I'm supposed to do. They don't see it that way. But 
That's what we're supposed to be doing. And I think that's, that's kind of true for all of us. So remember, these let your light shine. God's given each and every one of you a special and precious gift. And when I work at the, at the dental school, every dentist I work with has talents and gifts that I don't have. The students have talents and gifts. And so I try to discover what those gifts are and let them run with them and develop them. And they do, when, when you give them permission to run, they do, and they do really good. In fact, I have a saying at school. I say, the less I do, the more gets done. So remember, God has given you gifts, and it might be the gift of re recognizing gifts in others. That's a really important gift, too. You don't have to do everything yourself. You don't have to wash all the dishes. Your son might be really gifted at it. <laughs> well, maybe he has other gifts. Okay, we'll, we'll keep trying. <laughs> maybe he could cultivate the gift. But anyway, we all have different gifts. So in the morning when you wake up, think about the gifts that you've been given. Rehearse them with others. Sit down with someone and tell them about what God has done for you. And that will encourage you to help you face the problems we now face today, which are really substantial ones. I mean, I was talking to the pastor of my church the other day, and I said, do you think it's harder now, or was it harder during World War II? And he said, Pastor Skoritz said, it's harder today than it was during World War II, because back then, you knew how people were going to act and what they were going to do. And he said, now it's, it's just up for grabs. You never know what people are going to do. Things have gotten really difficult. So these are difficult times. So we need to develop the tools and the inspiration, the guidance we need to get through these difficult times. Let me close with a quote from the book of John. Christ said, I come, I said, I am come as a light unto the world that whosoever believeth in me should not abide in darkness. And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abides in the vine, nor can ye except you abide in me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. These are incredible promises. So let us strengthen ourselves with reviewing how God has blessed us in the past and let us claim God's promises so that we can move forward in faith. May God bless you one and all. Thank you very much.